Lewis says that praise is inner health made audible. When we talk about praise, we're talking about really making that choice to be, to be thankful, to focus your attention on the glory of God, even in difficult places. How many of you want to be healthy people, healthy people? Healthy people are praising people. And some of us, as we know, could probably use a gratitude adjustment. Where we kind of get our eyes off of us and off of this and onto him. Amen. We are in a series entitled, Make Some Noise. Come on, make some noise. And uh, the verse of scripture, there's actually six or seven of them in the Psalms. Psalm 95 verse 1 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I love that phrase, make a joyful noise, because actually that's what some of us can only do is make a noise. Uh, when we sing, it's not really melodic, it's noisy. Um, but that's okay, because God says make a joyful noise. And uh, we're talking about praise. Last week we talked about the practice of praise and making it, uh, making it a kind of a part of our life. You have to you know, develop a routine of praise in your life where you're going to set yourself to be a praising man or woman of God every day of your life, regardless of what you're going through or how you feel. Last week we talked about that, developing a habit of being a person of praise. Today I want to talk about the power of praise and especially this idea in the midst of great trouble or what seems like to us insurmountable odds. Anybody here gone through times of great trouble, faced some very difficult times? And we see in the scriptures how important praise is in those moments. And I want to talk about that today. And I want to come out of Acts chapter 16. This is a familiar story to many of us, perhaps though you might be here today, and this might be one of the first times that you've ever heard of this story. But I want to come from Acts chapter 16. And I want to begin at verse 25, but I'll talk a little bit more about the whole story here in just a moment. But it says, and we begin at verse 25, Acts 16, it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then the jailer called for light, and he ran in, and he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and all your household. 
Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. That is that they had been beaten and uh, he cleansed their wounds. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So that's the word of God, and uh, we're going to, I'll pick up from there in just a moment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for meeting with us here today already in just a wonderful and powerful way. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the exhortation, the word, God, spoken into our spirits, how you're drawing us, God, to yourself, that you're removing us, God, that you you're doing, you're removing us from the old things, God, that we don't need to be bound by those things. And God, I just, I just pray, Lord, that you would finish what you started in these next few moments in this word. I pray, God, that you would uh, set our hearts free to be people of praise and to be people of worship in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. All right, so we just read out of Acts chapter 16. So I want to give you kind of the, the bigger story here. Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey, and they are wanting to go into a certain region in the earth at the time. And the Lord, the, if you read the whole story, you can read it in Acts chapter 16, the Lord literally closed the door on them and basically was saying to them without even talking to them, that I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to go into that part of the world. But they were bewildered. They didn't know quite what to do about it. But the scriptures tell us that Paul went to sleep that night and he had a vision or a dream kind of vision. And in the vision, he saw a man in the region of Macedonia. And the man was waving at Paul and uh, saying, come over here, come over here and help us. And so he awoke from that dream, and he said that we felt like that was the Lord speaking to us because the doors had been closed in one direction that they had intended to go, and they didn't know what to do. But God came in a dream and through this person in another part of the world said, come over to us, and they, they determined that that was the Lord speaking to them. And so they obeyed the Lord. They went with the, the leading of the Holy Spirit at the time. And no sooner did they get into that region than it turns out to be quite successful. They meet a, a lady by the name of Lydia at, uh, at the river, and she gives her heart to the Lord, and then her house gets saved, and she invites them to start a church right there in Philippi, and things are happening, and they're, they're going throughout the city having an impact, and God is moving. How many of you know when you obey the Lord, God begins to move, and he does things? And so the Lord was moving. But also when God is moving, you know what that does? That stirs up the devil. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So what was happening is Paul and them were ministering in the city of Philippi, and a demonized girl was uh, you know, prompted, prodded by uh, hell itself to, to kind of go and be uh, uh, an irritation to their ministry there in Philippi. And after... Putting up with it for a little while, Paul finally got frustrated, and he turned around and he cast the devil out of that young lady. And she got freed, but it really upset the people who were making a bunch of money off of that girl. And so they got upset, and so they 
went and found Paul and Silas, and they took them, and they began to drag them through the streets, and they ended up beating them and, and accusing them and then having them bound by stocks and thrown in prison and beaten, by the way. And in fact, Paul or Luke writes, and he says, and they were beaten with many blows or many stripes. And then they were bound and they were thrown in not just prison, but in the dungeon of the prison, in the inner chamber of the prison house. And that's where the story picked up where we left off. Now I wanted to just stop and just say, sometimes we think we have a bad day. How would you like to feel that? How would you like to go through that? Well, I love what verse 25 says. It says that at midnight, everybody say at midnight. At midnight, that's that latest, that's that last hour. That's the bleakest time of the night. That's, that's the time when it just, you know, it's midnight. That's, it's really late. But it was in that hour that they were praying and their prayers began to turn into praise. And they were singing hymns unto God, having been beaten, having gone where they felt the Lord told them to go, doing what Jesus commissioned them to do, and then being taken by force and beaten and and put in stocks and thrown in prison. And they were in that dark place, in that dungeon place, in that difficult, dark place in their life, and they were singing praise unto God. They were making a joyful noise to the rock of their salvation in that hard place, in that difficult place. And as they were singing to the Lord, something began to happen. And we read it there. The earth began to shake and the prison began to be rocked and and the doors. And there was a, as the old uh, 50 songs, there was a little... There was a whole lot of shaking, rattling going on. What was it? Shake, rattle, and roll. Sorry. I'm not actually that old. I just heard it on the radio. There was a jailhouse rock. That's what it was. As I was studying this passage and I was writing down notes the other day and I, and, and I was just kind of going over this passage, all of a sudden I had an image in my mind, especially with that make a joyful noise to the rock of your salvation. I had a this mental picture of a rock being dropped in water. And you know what happens when a rock is dropped in water? There's a ripple effect that begins to move out from the point of where that rock drops. And it ripples out. And it goes out and as it goes out it gets it becomes more expansive and more effectual the further it goes out. And I was feeling like the Lord gave me a picture of the power of praise. That it starts right here. Something happens here, and then it, and then it begins to move out to here. And then as, as, as it goes further, it goes out to here, and then it goes out to here, and then it goes out, it goes out to there. That there is a ripple effect. There is a power when you and I choose to step into praise Powerful things begin to happen, not just in our own lives for our own sake, but all the way around us. Things begin to happen in our world. And I want to talk about this today. I want to talk about this 
powerful, effective praise in our hearts. We need not only to just put praise into practice, but we also need to understand that it is our great weapon of warfare that we face every day of our lives. And that if we praise the Lord, powerful things are going to take place. And I just want to unpack some things out of this passage. First of all, praise. One of the powerful things that praise does is that praise renews our joy in the Lord. It renews our joy. Now think of this for a moment. Paul and Silas had been beaten. They had been thrown in prison. They were down in the dungeon of that place. And you can imagine what it might be like in the basement of a, of a prison in ancient times. You might imagine the kinds of fluids that flow from above and get down into that kind of a place. And here they are in this dark place, this very discouraging place. You can, this, things like this can get to the best of us. When we go through times of great difficulty, it, you know you're supposed to be joyful in the Lord, but sometimes you don't always feel the joy of the Lord. And it's a hard place. And here they are, they've been beaten. I'm sure that they are in pain. I'm sure that they are not hyper-charismatic thinking, oh, praise God for what's been going on in my life. Have you ever met a hyper-charismatic in your life? They just don't find anything wrong with anything, and they always have a glib response to anything bad that happens in their life. Well, I want you to know it's okay if you feel a little pain in your life. Come on. But we don't want to embrace it and let it defeat us and to destroy our faith. So Paul and Silas did what we also need to step into in times like this. The Bible said they prayed, and the Greek tense and mood of that means that they had been praying they had been praying all along, but somewhere in their prayers in that prison, it began to turn to praise. And they began to sing hymns unto God. They weren't singing old, sad country songs to medicate their sad, sorry hearts. The Bible said they were singing praise unto God. They were making a joyful noise unto the rock of their salvation. And you can sense this because it says that the prisoners were listening in. People were listening in. They were listening to what they were singing and what they were saying after saw, seeing and knowing what they had been going through. And as they were singing to the Lord, you can almost feel the joy level of that song begin to rise in their spirit. And their praise began to stir in them the joy of the Lord in a very unhappy situation. Can I tell you, there is, we cannot get joy and happiness confused. We can't do it. Happiness is based on what is happening in my life. But joy is based on my relationship with God no matter what is happening in my life. 
And so they had this joy rise in them. And if I just want to say to every one of us today, if you're here today or if you're in a season in your life where your joy level is low, praise refuels the spirit and renews the heart and can restore the joy of God in your life. David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Listen, what good is it to be a Christian if we have no joy? And one of the ways that joy can be full in our spirit again is if we will make a choice to rejoice. You have to do that. Years later, Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he said to them, I say to you, rejoice in the Lord. Let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. And Paul demonstrated that in his own life before he ever wrote that book. They remember what Paul went through, how he built that church there in Philippi. And they knew that he was speaking out of experience. He wasn't just some preacher on a stage talking down at them. He was a man who had been there. If things are rough, rejoice in the Lord. Listen, let me just say it this way. When you plant a seed, you receive the harvest of that seed. If it's an apple seed, you get apples. If it's a corn seed, you get corn. If it's a rejoicing seed, you get joy. That's the way it works. That's the harvest of God. But some of us want to act like, well, if God wants me joyful, he's just going to have to put it in me. You know what he's saying to you? No, you're going to have to give it up. You're going to have to step into rejoicing. And the result of that will be joy. David was in a very, very, very difficult place. In fact, if you read the psalm, the title of the psalm is a psalm in the wilderness of Judah. That's a, that's a setup. This is a wilderness. This is no fun. This is a difficult place in my life. I don't want to be here. I don't like to be here. But I want to tell you, you can have a song in the wilderness. And he said in Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4 and A little bit of verse 5, he says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. In his wilderness, he's like, God, I know you love me. It's better than life itself. That's why I'm praising you, because you love me, even though I'm in a wilderness. And he says, Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. It goes on, I think, is there another one, verse? And he says, yeah, this is it. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. You want joy? Turn on your joy. Let me see. You want joy? Turn on your rejoicing. Amen. Praise is so powerful that when I step into it, It does something in my heart, in my emotions. Joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Weeping may endure for the night. You've been weeping. 
Some of you have been weeping in your spirit. And the Lord is saying, there's joy for you. Praise God. Now, here's another powerful thing. We're talking about the ripple effect of starts here. There's a, there's a renewal of joy. Secondly, praise refocuses our trust in God's plan for our life. Praise is not only an emotional pick-me-up, but it also helps us with our perspective on life, what's going on in my life, and what God is doing in my life. When we praise God, please know this, we're not praising a song. We're not praising instrumental players. We're not praising a band. We're not praising the top 40. We're praising a great God who happens to be a very good God. And those songs are there. And I'm not just even talking about songs on a screen. I'm talking about the song in your heart. I'm talking about the reality of your worship and your praise unto God. If you don't ever sing a song, I'm talking about praise and worship. It's to a great God who happens to be a very good God. And he's good for you, and he's good to you, and he has great things in store. I know the plans, the Lord says. I know the plans I have for you. They are of good and not evil, a future and a hope. But see, sometimes if we, one of the, one of the more, uh, I think, I don't know if the word is damaging, but one of, one of the great struggles that we put upon ourselves is when we shut down our praise. Because then we can't see past our hand. And we don't see anything but what's right in front of me and what I'm feeling and what I like and what I don't like. But praise transcends this. Praise is to look to the greatness of God. And when I see who he really is, I know he's good. And I know he's got a plan in my life, even when it doesn't look like it. And I got to believe on some level, Paul and Silas, as human as they are, just like you and I, I got to believe on the, maybe on the face of it, could there have been a little doubt? Remember, Paul had a dream of a Macedonian man saying, come over here, come over here. And I can imagine after being beaten and thrown in, in prison and put in stocks, I can imagine him thinking maybe to himself, was that, a, was that a dream from God or was that the pizza I had the night before? I mean... What was that? Like, I, you know, I got when, when hard things happen, you know what we can do? We can second guess ourselves. We do this with other people. When we see people going through a hardship, it's like, whoa, they must have really, you know, made a bad decision there. Come on. Anybody ever did that? Am I the only one? We second-guess others, we second-guess ourselves, we second-guess God. And we start thinking, because all this stuff is happening to me, and, and uh, you, know, how, you know, I must have done something wrong, or, or, or at very least, God has forsaken me. Why do I need to praise the Lord? Because you need your eyes open to what God is doing, the plan and the, the, thing, the good work that God has in store for you. Sometimes when my heart is heavy and sometimes when I come in on Sunday mornings and my heart is heavy, 
and I, I'm carrying we, I'm carrying a lot of what's gone on in the last week or went, what went on yesterday, and I'm and I'm weighed down, or just because of my position, I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about time, and I'm worried about so-and-so, and I'm, and I'm up here trying to praise the Lord, and I got all this other stuff in my mind, and then I start losing focus of God's plan, God's purpose, what God wants to do. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, praise, when I see some of those words come up there, it reminds me, you know, that God has a plan. God is good. He's got he's working things out and I'm singing these things and I'm and I'm focusing on these things about him so that I so that my eyes can be opened again so that I don't walk in blinders on. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? amen. Life can be very difficult and we get weighed down by worry and fret and regret and fear but praise Helps us to get our eyes off of ourselves and on to God. Right? David said in Psalms 34, verses 3 and 4, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. And I love that word, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Like, think of it like a magnifying glass. A magnifying glass put on something enlarges that something so that we can see the intricacies of it. Now, when we put a magnifying glass on God, we can't make God any bigger than he is. How many of you know that God is large and in charge? Right? But what happens is I diminish him in my own faith life. And so when I praise the Lord, it's like I'm making God big in me. In how I think of him, how I see him, how I know him, how I experience him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. And that's what gets us out of our self-absorbed pits of discouragement and the murmuring and the complaining that's going on. God's got a plan. And praise helps us to keep our focus on that, what God is doing. Amen? Praise reminds us that God works even though I'm in a place of great pain and difficulty, that God is working. I want you to see this, Psalms 56, verses 3 and 4. This is David again. David says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God... I have put my trust, I will not fear, what can flesh do to me? Imagine Paul and Silas having been beaten, dragged through the street, thrown in prison, down in the dungeon, saying these words, whenever I'm afraid. What do you do when you're afraid? Trust in God. And then he says, I'm trusting in God's word. See, Paul and Silas got a word when they weren't in Macedonia, that the Lord wanted them to come over to Macedonia. So they obeyed the Lord. They went right where the Lord told them to go, but because they obeyed the Lord and was doing the will of the Lord, the devil came against them like he comes against you. And all of a sudden, sometimes we think, oh, I I maybe made a misstep. I maybe took a wrong turn. Maybe I didn't hear God right. No, you heard God right, and you're facing hell for it. So it gets us all 
in our fields and gets us all discouraged sometimes. And even David, I love this. Here's David. David wrote this psalm. And he says, if you go back to that first one, Rich, that first verse of it, verse 3, he says, whenever I am afraid, here's a, David slew a, a lion and a bear with his bare hands. He took down Goliath, a giant, and David is even saying, there are times that I, fear gets, it gets in my heart. What do you do when fear gets in you? You've, you've experienced past victories in your life, right? Not at me out there if I'm, you've, you've, you've uh, slayed the enemy. You, God has given you victory in your life, but there are times that you fear, like David, when I, what do I do? When I am afraid, what do I do? I'm trusting. What I'm gonna, how am I going to trust the Lord? I'm going to praise God because his word is true. God's got a plan for my life. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's not done with you yet. Go ahead. So the power of praise, the ripple effect, it starts here. It goes to here then it begins to move outwardly, even around you. The third thing that I want to bring up is that praise reestablishes God's rule in every circumstance. When you and I praise, number three, if you bring that up, Rich, praise reestablishes God's rule in every circumstance. So when Paul and Silas began to praise the Lord, it moved from just within themselves to around them, what was going on around them. The Bible said, if you remember, the place was shaken where they were, right? The earth began to quake, and the jailhouse was shaken, and doors began to fly open, and where they were bound in stocks and chains began to fall, just break away from the walls, maybe even fall off of their wrists. And so what had happened was that God began to move in the situation because where we begin to praise the Lord, we're inviting the presence of God to come into that situation. And God's rule becomes manifest. Remember what we read last week in Psalms 22, verse 3, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Literally, God comes and makes his throne in our praises. As we praise the Lord, the Lord shows up. God loves to be invited into everything, into any situation you're facing. And one of the ways, probably the first and foremost way to invite God in is through praising Him. That's how we enter into His presence. We enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise, right? So as we establish a place of praise, we're saying to God, God, you are welcome here. In fact, you're not only welcome, I need you here. And God manifests His power and His presence in our praise which is the act 
of the establishment of God's rule. Where God is invited, God takes over. To say that God is in charge doesn't mean that he's in control of everything that happens. Yeah, let me say that again. To say that God is in charge doesn't mean that he controls everything that happens. God, the Bible said the heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstool. He is ruler, but that doesn't mean he's ruling everywhere. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 to people who defied God, he gave them over. He's not ruling there. He gave them over. He gave them over to the depravity of their own self-will because they refused to be thankful and they refused to submit to him. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Where the father, the son demanded what was to be his and the father allowed him all the blessing and benefit of the resource that he had for his son and his son went off and squandered it and wasted it on his own self-will. His father didn't land him in a pig pen. He landed himself in a pig pen. People will stand up and testify and say, I've been going through hell and God stripped me of that and God caused this to happen in my life. You're blaming God for your own choices. God didn't do that to you. You did that to yourself. Well, God must really be trying to teach me a lesson for where I wound up in my life. No, God tries to save you and deliver you. You know why you ended up there? Because he wasn't ruling in your life. He's in charge. He's God over all. But he didn't intend those things, but he superintends them. In other words, he... He's over all of that. But oftentimes we land in a place that we find ourselves because we put ourselves there. But how many you thank the Lord for the rest of the story of the prodigal son? When you come to your senses, amen, come on. When you come to your senses and realize this is, I mean, I can, there's nowhere to go but up from here. I'll run home to the Father. And any slight movement of Moving in God's direction, God runs to you because he wants to be God in your life. He wants to rule. And all I'm saying, using all of those different analogies, is that God, God is the ruler. But he, that doesn't mean he's necessarily ruling everywhere. Praise invites him to come and to set up his rule. And that's what happened when Paul and Silas were in that prison. And they were praising the Lord. They were lifting up God. And it looked like nothing but prison and darkness and demonic. But when they praised the Lord, God inhabited that praise. And when he showed up, the earth shook. And the walls gave way. And the bonds were broken out of the walls, and doors swung open. Praise God. 
Praise is so key to your victory. Amen. It is so key. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, I was looking at this the other day. You know the, the name Judah means praise. Judah, the name Judah means praise. And the children of Israel, on two separate occasions that I saw in the book of Judges, in the, the first chapter and in the 20th chapter, the bookends of that book were, they, they, the children of Israel were going into a battle, and they asked the Lord, Lord, how do we face this battle? Who goes into the battle first? Both times the Lord said, send praise first. Send Judah first. Send praise first. They are to go into the battle first. Praise goes first. And in both instances, God gave them victory. That's how the battles are won. When you establish, the way that you establish the rule of God in your life <clears throat> is to praise God, who is great and who is good. Amen. And God works through that, and he gives you victory. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. Let's look at this verse of scripture. It says, this is in the book of Revelation. How many, how many of you read the last book of the Bible? Have you read the last book? Come on. It's a book of victory. But notice what it says here. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of what? So say it this way. The lion of the tribe of praise. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals, thereby conquering once and for all, all of the power of darkness. Woo, come on now. How, does the, how, does, how is the lion let loose? Through praise. The lion of the tribe of praise. That's your victory. That's how you overcome all the power of the evil one. Praise God. You got to let the lion out. Amen. Come on, we got to loose the lion. Praise God. Amen. So when we praise the Lord, we're reestablishing the rule. Jesus is the king of the jungle. He is the king of your jungle. Amen. And when we praise the Lord, he's, he takes over. Praise God. So, those three things so far that we've looked at, praise renews our joy. It refocuses our trust in God's plan. It also reestablishes God's rule in our circumstance. And then the fourth and the final thing is that praise releases from the bonds of captivity. Praise releases from the bonds of captivity. The foundations were shaken. Here's what the scripture says. The foundations were shaken, the doors were opened, and watch, everyone's chains fell off. You talk about prison break. Come on. Not just Paul and Silas's chains. Everybody's chains. Even the for real criminal. Amen. 
Everybody's chains fell. I want to just remind us today that all hindrance, all limitation, all incarceration has, and it is vanquished through praise. Praise accomplishes more than you can even imagine. The enemy is defeated within and without. Our praise is a is an avenue through which God wants to set the captive free. He wants to he wants to change what appears to be just antichrist and just paganism. He he wants he wants to there to come a turnaround and a turnover. Amen. Listen, praise isn't just about I just want to feel better about my life and I pray Katie sings the top five this morning and, uh, you know. I hope they're the ones I really like. There's so much more going on. You know, we're sitting in this room and we're standing in this room and we're praising in this room, but there's, there's more going on. Then And then, take yourself out of this room because most of your life doesn't have anything to do with this room. I mean, hopefully you're getting equipped. Hopefully you're getting edified. Hopefully you're getting some, you know, some, that we're all getting some training and some preparation. But most of it's out there. It's out there in the darkness of those situations, the people you encounter, that that brokenness, that maybe that broken home that you are very much a part of right now. Not not to make you feel bad, but it's it doesn't feel good, it doesn't look good, it doesn't, you know, right there in that place of praise, as we praise the Lord, things not it's not just about how I feel or how I come out of it. Yes, I want the joy of the Lord, yes. But God is wanting to set the captive free. God is wanting to turn things around in your world, in your location. And so as we set ourselves to pray, there is a a freedom that happens even in our world. Hallelujah. There is the freedom of personal victory. You know, let's not forget why they were in prison, spiritual warfare. Jesus sent them there. The devil didn't like it. He tried to stop it, and Jesus gets the final word. And he broke the chains. And I just want to say this, even though I know that this wasn't about any fault or any, let's say, you know, struggle or, or uh, personal bondage on Paul and Silas's part, I just want to say that even in our own personal bondages and struggles with some issues in our life, that if we will set our heart to praise, those prison doors are going to swing open. Those bonds are going to fall off. If we need to set, I, I think we need to see that real, true, personal freedom, and it, this isn't the only thing. I know there's accountability, and I know there's responsibility, and I know there's issues of obedience, but I'm telling you that if we start with praise... And be thankful to God who is our Redeemer even when I fall short. Come on. 
I praise God for who he is, even if I'm not everything I want to be. He's still God. He's still good. Get your focus off yourself and off your sin and off your shortcomings and off your weaknesses and put them on God. Freedom happens. Freedom happens, amen? But not only that, but not only that, Katie, you should come. Not only that, but there is personal opportunity given to us to help people around us. This man, could it have been when Paul had a vision and a dream of the Macedonian man saying, come over here, could it have been a representative of the jailer who when the place was shaken, you know, he was in charge of the prison. And we know historically in Roman times that when you were put in charge, if you lost a prisoner, you lost your life. And so when he saw that the jailhouse was basically in the shambles, the doors were open, and he looked, and all he could see was darkness, he supposed they all fled. And Paul saw that he was probably getting ready to fall on his own sword, said, don't hurt yourself, we're here, we didn't go anywhere. And the man, the Bible said, came in trembling, and he knelt before them. And he said, I need to be saved by the God you serve. How can I be saved? You see what God is up to? God is up to more than just you. See, sometimes we don't like where we're at. And I'm not saying that God necessarily puts you there, but God knows how to work all things together for good. And so he takes these awful situations in your life, and you don't even know how how ordained it is in that moment that if you and I will posture our heart to praise the Lord, that that opens the door, not for you to get out of your problem, but for others to come into the kingdom. We're so busy wanting out of our problem, God's saying, I want to use your problem to get people into the kingdom. And the man came and he said, what must I do to be saved? Do you know that's what the demon-possessed girl was going around saying? She was telling the truth about them. She said what she was saying about Paul and Silas. They're telling you the way of salvation. They're telling you the way of salvation. And then later this guy comes in and says, tell me the way of salvation. Tell me the way of salvation. And you know what he said? Paul said, here's his response. Got to hear this. Here's the way of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Do you know what he didn't say? He did not say, here's the way of salvation. Be a better person. That's not what he said. Can I tell you that as good as you are, it'll never get you into heaven. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our culture says you got to be a good person, be tolerant, be open-minded, be welcoming of all people. I believe in love. I believe in friendship. I believe in being a genuine person. But none of that saves a person's soul. Being a better person never got anyone into heaven. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ does. And when you believe in the Lord, he makes you the best version of you.
but don't get it backwards because that's not the way it works. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? That was, I'm not even going to charge for that little bit of extra. That was free. That was free of charge. Praise God. I wonder if there's anybody in a dark place right now, in a, in a hopeless place. I really, I believe, I'm just, I know this may sound, I don't want it to sound like just superficial. We, by God's grace, can praise our way out of this. We can praise our way through this. God is good. You're going to have a lot more dark days ahead. Praise is the power. It is the power. Amen. Let's stand together. I've asked Katie to lead us into some word, song, course of praise. And in fact, as she's, as she's doing that, can I have the prayer intercessors come? And she's going to lead us in that. And if you're here today, and you can even begin to come in the song if you want to. If you want to come while we're singing the song, you are welcome to come and receive prayer for anything in your life. But maybe we touched on something here today. Maybe we talked about something that you, you feel in your heart and you would like prayer for it. As we sing the song, you can come or you can come after that. And, uh, but Katie, would you lead us? Let's, let's just praise the Lord for a moment. Come on, let's do that together. Lead us, Katie. 